Hello, and welcome to episode 36 of the Embers Collective podcast. We are Stumble Trip Theatre. I'm Grace. I'm Chloe. I'm Tim. And this is Community Spirit. It was the same as every other day in Crumbledon Close. Bing! The plastic film was peeled off a lean cuisine microwavable meal of avocado and poached eggs. The steam fogged up a pair of rectangular specks as the contents slid onto a plate and the container was tossed onto the recycling pile. A nude acrylic nail pressed the button on the Nespresso machine. The Vivalto Lungo dripped into a delicate coffee glass. The same nail plucked the compressed pink pod from the machine, flicked it into the recycling, drawing the drawstrings on the dustbin bag into a neat bow with a satisfied... (sighs) The black plastic bag was snatched by a black plastic glove and flung onto the mass of refuse that Crumbledon Close had deemed recyclable. You can recycle Rubik's Cubes, can't you? Yes. Can you recycle deflated fitness balls? Yes. Shall we recycle your unicycle, Cassandra? Yes. We can recycle the goldfish, yes? All of these already forgotten objects trundled off to be incinerated. Lacoste trainers slapped the tarmac as thighs chafed and steps were counted. I'm telling you, I've tried the Atkins, the Ducan, the 5-2, Duncan from Blue's new diet, the Paleo, Keto, Mosquito, Demi Lovato's new diet. I've done the lot. Well, I'm on the warrior diet. 6,000 steps followed by a boiled egg, then another 6,000 followed by a raw egg, then another 6,000 followed by a poached egg, then another 6,000 followed by scrambled as a treat. Frankie half-smiled as he passed a ruddy-cheeked Sandra and Tabitha, tagging behind the gaggle of Powell walkers as they rounded the final bend of Crumbledon Close. Morning, bellowed two clean-faced recycling men as they tossed the sacks over their shoulders with ease, winking at the ladies straggling behind. Morning. Sandra and Tabitha's rapid padding footsteps slowed to an amble. It's always the men in uniforms that do it for me. Frankie suppressed a giggle as he reached his drive. Through the window, he could see his mother frantically repainting the front room pink. Last week it had been cornflower blue, the week before a butterscotch yellow. Ooh, Janet's gone for the perky blush this week. Copycat, she knew I'd repainted the upstairs flamingo on Monday. Delivery's here! At that moment, children, parents and grandchildren alike leapt out of their front doors as the delivery truck rumbled into Crumbledon Close. The driver frantically flung the parcels to the hungry hands. Yes! My new book! cried Candice as her Greta Thunberg autobiography was hurled through the hedge, landing in the midst of her husband Finbar. Yes! My new taffeta wedding gown! shrieked Tabitha. Yes! My new diet Squawked Sue. Yes, my new toupee. Cried Tim. Yes, my new baster. Bellowed Belinda. Yes, my new husband. Exclaimed Denise. Frankie heard a tinny soundtrack emanating from Gerald next door's window. His brand new karaoke machine already being put to great use. Don't tell me not to live, just sit and putter. Life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. Shut up, Gerald! Frankie's father, Steve, went to pound the wall with his fat fist and found that it stuck to the tacky pink of the fresh paint. Get your fat 
fists away from my perky blush, Steve, roared Frankie's mother, Janet. <laughs> Candice from next door ripped open her parcel as Denise popped her head over the adjacent fence. Ooh, great read that. I read it last week, she said with a tight-lipped smile before shouting to Steve. Have you been watching the documentary about the melting penguins, Steve? Yeah, devastating. Have you seen about the koalas with PTSD? It's got the same presenter as the one about the sharks with chronic fatigue. You've got to watch it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We've seen all of them, Steve. All of them? Yes, we finished the whole of Congo TV yesterday. Janet's voice shrieked from the kitchen. Haven't you seen the news? Huh? Good afternoon. I'm Helena Higgins. We interrupt the broadcast of national daytime television to bring you breaking news about the current state of our planet. Our very own Jiminy Jogsworth is on the scene at Coxford University. Let's go to him now live for more details. Jiminy. Hello, Helena. Jiminy, what can you tell us about Coxford scientists' recent discoveries? Well, Helena, it's really enlightening stuff. Scientists from Coxford University have revealed that after roughly six months, planet Earth will spontaneously combust. Right. Spontaneous combustion, you say, Jiminy. So what does that mean for the human race? Good question, Helena. Well, they too would be spontaneously combusting. Thanks, Jiminy. So, general combustion all round? Yes, Helena. Exactly, Helena. And just to clarify, we have roughly six months left, is that correct? Six months left to change our ways or boom! (laughs) Sorry. So, an official statement is due to be released at 5pm, offering support and guidelines on www.wearescrew.co.uk. Wonderful, Jiminy. So, I'm assuming that combustion includes not just the human race, but... For example, the penguins. Yes, the penguins are screwed. Or the llamas. Yes, the llamas are screwed too. Or, say, the beetles. Yes, they could be fine, actually, Helena. Oh, oh, so not all bad news then, Jiminy. Silver linings, Helena. Back to you in the studio. Thank you, Jiminy. Now, stay tuned for updates and for our next story about a tarot card-reading dog from Norwich who, after a strange twist in fate, met Victoria Beckham and... Steve prodded the remote. A dark silence fell in the blush-pink front room. Frankie and his sister Paloma shifted nervously on the Laura Ashley couch. This silence and stillness was not familiar, and it brought a strange serenity over Crumbledon Close as the neighbours contemplated their fate. Well, maybe we shouldn't buy the next Warrior Diet book. Tabitha's acrylic nail quivered over the Buy Now button. Perhaps we should empty the basket once and for all. Sandra's powdered cheeks were streaked with fat tears. Surely there's something we can do. Crumbled and Close has never given up easily before. Think about when we campaigned for the removal of the eyesore wind turbine in the rear field. Well said, Steve. And when we clubbed together to finance the neighbourhood watch human-sized nets that captured those dodgy characters from outer Pisfordshire. Commendable community spirit, uttered Steve. I suppose I could cut back on my single-use, single-plastic, microwavable one-time meals. I suppose I could cut back on buying taffeta wedding gowns. I suppose I could cut back on ordering new husbands. Well, what are we going to do with the microwavable poached eggs? Where does the egg even come from? The neighbours groaned as they contemplated their bleak, frugal futures. However, bit by bit, step by step, they gave it a go. Tabitha planted avocado skins in the garden, hoping for the best. 
Dave cuddled the large tree at the end of the close, and Gerald's karaoke machine cued Kumbaya in an attempt to reconnect with his peaceful inner nature. Janet bent to plant a pineapple in her flower bed and tutted when she saw Deirdre lugging out her last sack of black waste. Deirdre, did you know that recycling doesn't come five times a day anymore? The incinerators were closed after the announcement. This isn't recycling. This is... this is clothes for the needy. Thank you. I have noticed how a strange grassy mound has appeared in your front lawn since the announcement, Janet. One does hope you're not burying any prohibited waste. Tabitha, whose egg obsession seemed to have got a little out of hand, claimed she'd seen flying eggs in the night sky. Glowing eggs, I tell you, hovering up in the sky. Eggs come from chickens, Tabitha. They don't just float down from space. Frankie sat at his bedroom window. A stubby HB pencil worked furiously away in his sketchbook, drawing the confrontation below. All of a sudden, he saw his neighbours stop in their tracks. They craned their necks towards the sky. A dark orb-shaped shadow fell across the close. And then they covered their eyes as they were bathed in an iridescent light. Frankie scurried down the stairs and onto the drive. Looking up, he saw what looked like a giant egg hovering in the sky. It descended towards the figures on their front lawn, slowly, silently, gracefully, landing right outside the Scribbin's semi-detached abode. Everyone watched as a side panel was ejected from the egg's smooth surface. It levitated forward and elegantly turned, revealing a man inside who stood as if entombed in this strange capsule. His open flannel shirt billowed in the soft breeze, revealing a paunch covered by a grey T-shirt. His faded jeans met a pair of desert boots, and his beard and hair were a taupe colour that Janet would have described as soft truffle. The capsule landed at the bottom of the drive. The man stepped forward and boarded a shiny white Segway that had appeared from nowhere crumbled and close seemed to hold their breath silent except the low hum of his Segway as he glided forward and (gasps) the Segway caught Janet's hidden mound of trash and the man face planted into the grass Steve shot Janet a look undeterred the man rolled onto his back hugging his knees he rocked and rolled on his spine like the egg from whence he came until he was fully erect back standing, all five foot four of him, directly in front of Steve. Janet stood quivering next to Steve as the man came closer. He almost seemed to glow. Janet's legs suddenly buckled. She collapsed to the floor, her bottom wobbling in her bowden slacks as she threw herself prostrate at the man's desert boots. Are you the Messiah? Have you come to save us from the disastrous state of the globe? Steve suddenly also fell to the floor in awe. He bowed his head and the breeze tickled the last few strands of hair atop his head, which blew like pond reeds. We are not worthy. At that moment, a hand touched Steve's head. He whimpered. A perfectly coiffed toupee appeared, covering Steve's ever-expanding bald patch. He sighed with the unfamiliar warmth. Steve and Janet Scribbins? 
You have been chosen as reputable members of modern day society. You shall join our mission to the moon. Here we have brought together a unique community of outstanding earthlings to continue the human race. No longer being held back by melting ice caps or raising levels of CO schmoo. Steve spellbound gazed into the eyes of his savior. Steve. Your data and what an outstanding record you have. Completed Congo TV, 50 deliveries a day, a full diet of lean cuisine, microwavable meals, active social media record, gaining 150 new followers of complete strangers a day, campaigning for community purity and excellence. And Janet, excellent personal brand, completed 75 new diets, never giving up, successfully engaging with an enormous amount of apps, including calorie counters, sleep monitors, find my new husband tracker, plus your digital showcasing of your wonderful home, which changes every week. And of course, you have produced a prime child specimen. It's two specimens, actually, (laughs) Janet corrected. The man peered over Janet's shoulder, seeing a small, scrawny boy clutching his sketchbook and crayons. I have no data for two children at the Scribbins household. Oh, Frankie doesn't have a phone or a computer. He's a little Luddite, to be honest. If I hadn't bought him myself, I would say he wasn't a Scribbins. Well, I do apologise, Mr and Mrs Scribbins, but there is only room for one prime child in our mission. Managing to take three from a household is an improvement on Noah's Ark, I'm sure you appreciate. Of course, we can always head across the lawn to the Malloy's residence. No! roared Steve. Give us a minute! Take off in ten, Stevie boy! At that moment, Paloma, Frankie's older sister, the eldest Scribbins, stepped outside, her nose inches away from her tablet. Mom, can't I watch one programmer? She gasped, looking up at the extraordinary man on the Segway in her front lawn. Her fingers glided through her hair. She wrapped a shiny lock around a pink sparkly nail. I can't leave a child here on Earth whilst we swan off with an egg man, Janet pleaded. I understand this isn't easy, but I need you to think bigger than yourselves right now, Janet and Steve. Think about the ultra race we are building. You will have an active role in the new moon community. Or should I say, the community. (laughs) (laughs) Paloma giggled weakly. Steve's shoulders sank as he pulled a coin out of his pocket. Resting it on his thumb, he flicked it into the air, catching it in his palm and slapping it onto the back of his fat hand. A defeated look in his eyes. Paloma. What efficient decision-making! This is exactly why we need a man like you on this mission, Steve. Remarkable. And hey, I'm sure we can always reassess the situation later. You know, perhaps, I don't know. Right! Frankie was wide-eyed as his family boarded three white segways, following the man like obedient swans to the base of the egg. We'll reassess the situation once we're up there, Franks! Janet called. Just like the nice man said, we're doing this for humanity, sweetie. I know you understand. A smooth hatch opened. Paloma turned over her shoulder, but the man's firm hand guided her into the egg, and the hatch snapped shut. 
the ground began to shake as the egg prepared to ascend. Take me too! Tabitha clawed at where the hatch had been. Take me aboard your holy egg! A shockwave sent her flying back in an impressive backflip and she squawked as she landed face down on the rubbish mound. Dave, stepping on her buttocks, stumbled towards the egg. Arms out, he pressed his body on the smooth surface. I'm a shiny example of humanity. Take Dave to the moon! Formidable blue flames shot out the eggs behind as it was thrust into the sky. As it climbed higher, Frankie saw that the egg was connected to the earth by a huge, thick, white cable. With an almighty tug, the cable was wrenched from the earth and it slithered into the egg like a hoover cord. Frankie could see the sky was dotted with other eggs whose cables were also being ripped out of the earth. Pylons and fibre optic cables were being pulled out of the ground with great tearing sounds. The space eggs were now the size of Cadbury's cream eggs and they were disappearing into the hopeless grey sky. A silence fell. It reminded Frankie of when his mum would switch off the oven fan after crashing around in the kitchen for hours on a Sunday. It was a strange relief. There would be no more pork medallions and goose-fat potatoes for Frankie. In crumbled and close they were still. The power walking, power talking, recycling, redecorating, scrolling, judging, gossiping, comparing had all stopped. Days turned into weeks. Weeks turned into months as the reality of the situation crystallised. Tabitha continued her power walking, mumbling to herself and scrawling tallies of steps onto her arm. Her Fitbit had conked out long ago. Brian, with nothing to listen to but the incessant tapping of Tabitha's trainers on the pavement outside, started lobbing his defunct electronic devices out the window as she passed by. It's over! Just stop, Tabitha! Just stop! He said as he launched his soup blender at her head. Oof! cried Tabitha. Frankie ran over the events that led to his parents' departure over and over. He stared into the sky, praying he'd see the glowing egg ship floating back down to Earth. His parents would disembark with open arms, ready to save him from the perils of Earth. The neighbours tried sending messages to the moon via bin bag art. SOS, they wrote in bin bags. Then, soz, plus, help. And finally... BRB? Question mark? Sandra sat in her front garden, staring at her feet which were becoming rapidly pruny in the kids' paddling pool which was now filled with empty lager cans and cigarette butts. Her husband chucked buckets of rainwater over her head in an attempt to get her attention, succeeding only in extinguishing her cigarette which was drooped flaccidly on her lower lip. Frankie did the only thing he knew how. He opened his sketchbook and started drawing. Escaping crumbled and close, he drew new lands, adventures and worlds. As he filled the last corner of the last page, he paused. He thought of his mother. He took a deep breath and he started drawing on his desk. And when he filled the small desk, his drawings snaked down the table legs onto the floorboards, then up the walls until every last corner of his room was covered. 
He opened his bedroom door and looked tentatively at the blank walls of his empty family home. It had been months now. He took a thick sharpie and he started to scrawl all over the walls, down the stairs, all over the Laura Ashley furniture until his creation snaked out of the door, down the patio and across the garage doors. He slid open the garage door and his eyes widened as they fell upon his mum's paint cans. With delight, he popped them open. Duck egg blue, verdigris green, rhino Dutch orange. Frankie sunk his small hand into the cold paint. Then he flung and flicked and smeared the paint all over the house. His neighbours stared in astonishment. Then Dave shrugged. Why the blooming heck not? They joined him, plunging their hands, fists and feet into the paint. It slopped onto the pavement as they smothered their bodies, then splattered their silhouettes onto the sides of their homes. Whoopee! Dave barreled down the drive, covered in rhino Dutch orange, careering his way through Tabitha's fence. (gasps) How dare you! Give me some of that exceptional body paint. Come and smother me up! Cried Tabitha as she kicked down the rest of her garden fence. At that moment, the entire neighbourhood followed suit and tore down their fences that separated their two-by-two-metre garden patches. What do we need these for? Meanwhile, on the moon, Paloma sat in her lone egg. She tuned into Earthbox, her favourite channel. And today we're zooming in on a small place in what used to be the UK called Crumbledon Close. As you can see, they're really starting to lose it down there. Honestly, it's amazing how these humans who thought they were civilised have regressed. Paloma zoomed in to see Frankie flailing and dancing, covered head to toe in perky pink blush paint, leaving joyous pink footprints in a zigzagging shape on her old road. She was shocked, but she felt herself begin to laugh. She couldn't help it. They looked utterly unhinged, but she felt a yearning. She then heard a low hum. The man Segway approached her egg. Quickly, switching off Earthbox, she placed on her egg-shaped helmet and brought a weak smile to her face. How about that tour I promised you? His white teeth glinted through his helmet. She boarded his Segway and he wrapped his spacesuit-clad arms around her, clutching the handles. Wow! What's the total eclipse, class? That's where the elites go to blow off some steam. Hey, Jonah, get a sniff of this space dust. It's tremendous. It makes you so goddamn productive. (laughs) Where are we now? This is the Lunar Tech Hub where the magic happens. That's awesome, Jeff. Yeah, can you get me a microdose macchiato? Yeah, thanks. Oh my god, Celeb Saloon? Wow. This is where all the idols of our generation hang. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Is that Katie Price and Peter Andre? As if they're back together. No, but we thought bringing them to the moon could rekindle their iconic romance. Boom, boom, boom. Welcome to Shoptobia. 
This is what keeps our economy thriving. People like you with your purchasing power, reinventing yourselves, improving your lives with all the products you could wish for. Can you believe we used to live on that sad blue dot? <laughs> In Crumbled and Close, since the fences were gone, seeds had been planted and a communal garden had begun to flourish. The clocks had all stopped when the earth had been unplugged. So they ate when they wished, they slept when they wished, and they did as they wished. Most evenings they settled into performances of Crumbled and Close's cabaret. Don't tell me not to live, just send Potter! Yes, bravo, Gerald! Back on the moon, Paloma was riding her Segway around, wondering what she might buy next. The egg helmets had been fitted with a blink-automated buy-now button, enabling you to get purchases delivered to your egg within 15 minutes. Suddenly she came to a crater. However, this was not your standard moon crater. This was a small, deep, circular cabin. She peered down and at the bottom she could see a man walking around in a circle. She recognised him as one of the elites from the Total Eclipse Club. She could faintly hear him muttering to himself about KPIs and his wonderful, powerful new life as he snorted moon dust from a silver baggie. She continued her journey, but it was not long before she came across another deep hole burrowed into the moon's surface. This one belonged to one of the techies, who, neck stooped, eyes fixed on his screen, mumbled nonsensically about the algorithm. She thought she would seek solace at her parents' egg. However, she nearly fell down another hole. At the bottom of this one, she saw her own mother, Janet, spinning around like a dog chasing its tail, blinking and twitching, buying a brand new item every ten seconds. Mom! She cried, but Janet did not look up. Paloma sped back to her egg and switched on Earthbox to calm her nerves. She zoomed in on Crumbled and Close and saw greenery, laughing, exchanging of food and hugs and stories. A message flashed up on her screen. Congratulations, our community, see what I did there, has just smashed records for the most successful economy of any population in the history of mankind. Paloma swiped away and zoomed back in on her brother, who was dancing as Gerald sang into the karaoke microphone, high-kicking in his silver platform boots. Pain, she switched off Earthbox and gazed out the window at the small blue ball, her former home. Then she saw something curious. A giant, dark egg approaching the Earth like an unstoppable bullet. It landed releasing a huge cloud of grey fumes. Unable to comprehend, she jumped on her Segway and sped towards the man who stood overlooking the earth with an emptiness in his eyes. What, what was that egg? What's all the smoke? What have you done to the earth? Calm down, dear. We have to do something with our waste. It was clogging up the moon. It's for the greater good of the community. Plus my ex-wife's down there, you know. A flash of ferocious blue flames engulfed the earth and then... Nothing. Why is this happening? They haven't even had their six months. Things were getting better. You can't do this. We thought we'd better just, you know, speed up the process. You gotta be cruel to be kind sometimes, sweetie. Paloma looked into the abyss where the earth had been. She imagined her brother Frankie, 
as if walking in slow motion, his mouth in a silent scream being sucked into the black nothingness. She sat, frozen with grief. Then she turned and saw her saviour as he boarded an even larger egg. The expedition to Saturn had begun. We're in the room with me, Tim Carp, and Grace Church and Chloe Young, who are Stumble Trip Theatre and who have done many shows with us in the past. Thanks for having us. Um, so can you tell us what... Well, firstly, how you came to write that story? <laughs> <laughs> well, it all started with you, Tim Carp. Oh. Because you went on a holiday... In Portugal, I think, with your... Was it Lisbon? Was it, I don't think it was a Lisbon. I think you thought you were going to a beautiful town in Portugal and there actually ended up being, like, lads on tour town mm. in Portugal. Was it in Greece? I thought it was... This has happened twice, so I, I'm not sure which The specific one. <laughs> story you told us was there was a group of lads who were holding their friend up like a coffin and they ran with him in their arms and boshed his head into one of those like punch bags in like a yeah. Arcade. This An was arcade. in um, oh god, where was that? It's in Greece, mm. uh, Kavos. There we go. Mm. Um, yeah. And we just thought that story was outrageous. It was one so of funny. our favourite things that we've ever heard. <laughs> and then, and then you said that um, one of them was wearing a t-shirt saying. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this. You, you can say it. Oh. Keep calm and suck my balls. Yeah. <laughs> and Chloe and I got so obsessed with this kind of, with this with that phrase, um, that on my last birthday, she got me a giant stronghold bag with the words, keep calm and suck my balls. In hot pink. So when I go to do my uh, weekly shop, um, I strut down Roman Road holding that and I feel... Very ashamed. <laughs> Proud. Proud. So, uh, so what does this have to do with the, <laughs> yeah, good, good the half an hour story that you just told? We then decided that we would tell us... We then just went off on one laughing about the idea of, like, where would be the next place these boys would go on holiday? It's just, like, you just go over to these, like, beautiful countries and just, like, destroy it with your britishness and we were like laughing the idea of them going all the way to the moon and there being this like full moon party on the moon and then when we started to talk about the kind of the moon and and then we started talking about elon musk <laughs> you know one thing leads to another <laughs> i'm not sure the trail of thought there but it was also this idea of kind of we were we were we, <laughs> we were exploring i think it was this kind of colonial mindset of going to certain places and that um and sort of ravaging them and mm. then moving on to the next thing and that kind of really unsavory underbelly of tourism um that is so often english people abroad uh and i mean i also have been that person i won't lie to you um, not that I've had my head <laughs> kind of boffed into a punch bag, but close. So we were we were exploring that, mm. and we were thinking, well, after every part in the world is is spoiled by these hordes, um, where will we go? Well, obviously we'll end up on the moon, 
And the closest person to be going to the moon and setting up a new civilization would be Elon Musk. (laughs) (laughs) That was where that train of thought came. That was it. Just a heads up. (laughs) And you you say you say mostly English people. Just just to clarify, um, on this holiday there were many T-shirts, and uh, one of them was "Made in England, destroyed in Cavos." Oh. But there, it was other ones as well. Made in Ireland, destroyed mm. in Kavos. Made in Scotland, made in Wales, made in Serbia, I remember. Mm. Destroyed in Kavos. Well, there you go. Yeah, I'd been very narrow-minded thinking. Yeah, just us, the English lads. <laughs> Who wanted us to keep calm and suck their balls. I mean, that's just a universal <laughs> feeling. Yes. Um, transcends being English that yeah so. absolutely good for us to bear that in mind <laughs> so there's a lot of about yeah there's a lot about consumerism in 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 that story as well right from the beginning um and yeah I like the I like the idea that the the, the best in our society are actually the ones who are the most over consuming and the most mm. I mean I don't like that idea <laughs> no but I thought it was an interesting concept that that's what the people would choose. What, so why why would they choose those people over the kind of mm. arty people? I guess I guess we were imagining like if you were going to be setting up a new community, who would be powerful enough to be able to do that? Who would be powerful enough in order to set up a new community? And what would they want it to be? So therefore, what what are their wants and needs for a community? And therefore, it's looking at money and economy and um digital the digital world kind of exploding so it's like that if that capitalism went to the moon what does that look like Mm. um and also like the lack of appreciation of the earth and of the planet um it's like that that's is what's like breeding and making the planet worse and iller and poorer at the moment so Mm. it's like if that community goes up to the moon and sets up a new world like what does that what does that look like taking those strand of kind of uh you know individualism capitalism take taking them up there and and pushing them to their logical extremes Mm. i mean in quite an absurd and silly and on the nose way but that's that's to us is what it would look like Mm. but it's also this notion of how how do you measure success and how that's been warped in our society so it's not yeah and I think we've seen that a lot in the last year mm. of because kind of creativity or art is not necessarily tangibly measurable. Um, it is not always financially incredibly lucrative. So therefore, do we value it? Does mm. it matter? Do we need that kind of expression? Do we need community or are we just more worried about? Um, yeah. In our in our like in our isolation this year, have we become like were we becoming more worried about? Well, or did we go back to basics and mm. did we did we rekindle that kind of commu- community spirit, community spirit, <laughs> or did we did we worry about in our isolation how many people we were connecting with on social media, mm. um, whether we'd lost our jobs and we could still be seen to be earning? Mm. Did all these things were really called into question? Like, what does success mean? What do we do when we have lots of time in our hands? What happens when we unplug? In a sense, mm. so that all has mm. drip fed into the story. What? Yeah, I'm interested to know what what you two think a successful artist is. <laughs> I have my own well, ideas about this as well, so I could say afterwards. But I'm interested. I, I think I, do, I think for me, being able to be a successful artist would be able to, um, I guess, find a good balance between 
being creative that's also outward facing as well as it is uh, for you as an individual. Um, so for me, like success as an artist is finding a balance between like creating your work, but also having time away from your work and also finding the balance between it being nourishing for yourself and then it being outward facing. So therefore it gives back to a larger community and it doesn't just sort of burrow, burrow down into it being quite isolated and quite elitist. And then on the moon, burrowing down. Yeah, exactly. Because then you kind of end up with this bit of a contradiction of like a left-wing headspace that ends up being almost quite right-wing by being like self-obsessed and identity. It's like the same thing, just the shoes on the other foot. The individual. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think... I think for me it's it's about authenticity and I'd, I don't know if I have much more to say on that but mm. it's it's about authenticity and, and being present and responding to what unfolds in the world around you mm. and if there are blocks to that why are you blocking yourself and what's blocking you and, and things like that so I suppose a successful artist in my mind is authentically kind of reacting to what's unfolding around them. Mm. Um, but then also does actually pay their rent as well. <laughs> yeah. If, yeah. <laughs> That's... if they want to be renting, yeah, that would also be nice. Definitely. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a kind of, for me, it's like a, it's a reflection. It's an ability to reflect on our outside world in a way that others can understand. Definitely. Um, because the, the idea of this sort of tortured artist who gets who know no, no one likes their stuff or, or no mm-hmm. one's heard of them i'm not saying that they're not an artist but there's a difference between someone who can relate to to many many people i think i think that's one of the things that makes good art for me is like mm-hmm. if if people can understand what you're trying to say mm-hmm. in in your abstract way whether it's music or story or painting or mm-hmm. sculpture or whatever mm-hmm. i guess it's like knowing your audience as well isn't it in that way it's like if you're creating something that's for people, who are you creating it for and who are you wanting to engage with, I suppose? Um, and being aware of that whilst you're creating so it doesn't end up just being a self-fulfilling thing that's about your self-worth. See, I feel like kind of... Yes, I'm going to disagree. <laughs> but I'm gonna, I, think, I think before lockdown, we spent a lot of time thinking about who would be receiving our work mm. and I think like as as an artist that that was where my thoughts were always going you know what what do people think of me and Tim we were just mentioning this before um what do people this this grand drama of but will they like it how will it be received and that being prioritized over actually authentically reacting to what's going yeah. on mm. um and being focusing on the process and and really saying what you're wanting to say as opposed to worrying what everyone else will think about what you've just said. Yeah. And I think I was always in that mindset prior prior to prior to lockdown, basically. Um, our work, I mean, well, yeah, I speak personally, but I always felt this kind of frenetic energy of got to get bums on seats, got to, got to, I don't know, got to, got to give people what they want, you mm. know? And when you actually sit back and go or i could speak about this in a kind of simple truthful 
truthful that's a slippery term but in a, in a, in a way that is is honest to me and see how people receive it and mm. that's an incredible act of like vulnerability mm. um and so of course we just want to please people and of course we connect a lot of value into what they think of us when we're dancing moving creating whatever we're doing on the stage or in the workshop um so yeah i think this whole year has been a process of like trying not to give uh, beep <laughs> about what people think and actually diving into the work you're doing in a non-indulgent way and I think maybe that's what you meant Chloe is like not being inward facing and indulgent still wanting to nourish and give back to others but really diving into the process and not going oh I'm gonna have to sell tickets for this does that make sense yeah mm. so um for those that don't know uh, Chloe and Grace usually have uh, a large aspect of physical theatre in their in their storytelling, um, and obviously doing it on on podcast and on radio is a slightly different experience mm. for you. Um, how does it how does it feel different in what's different about it, and and do you feel like you can get the same things across with just your words? Mm. I think. Often with our work, it starts so grossly in our imagination. We have these really like vivid, clear images um, that we often start with like an improvisation where the words aren't really there. <laughs> and it's like sound effects <laughs> and giggling and like um, both of us kind of being in cahoots with these like strange images that we're creating even though to the outside world it would make absolutely no sense at that stage um but for this one it was interesting for us to try and really get those images that are completely absurd and just mainly sound effects and really bring it down to the words and not just rely on our physicality to like push the story forward um but a really nice challenge for us to be able to do that, I guess. Mm. And we were assisted this last week by Sarah Lisa from the Embers Collective. Oh. Um, we did a we did a storytelling workshop with her, and we just did this amazing exercise where we were talking about images. So you read a story, and then you recall an image from the story that stuck with you for whatever reason. And then, yeah, so Sarah asked us the question, you know, how are you seeing this image? Are you seeing it kind of filmically, cinematically? Are you seeing it as a cartoon? Are you seeing it as real people? Um, and then we just really kind of dove, dived, dove into, into the image, into the image and really kind of fine tuned all the details and the nuances of what you're seeing. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not just seeing an egg this is actually what I'm seeing, the eggs on a blue stool and that it's in this certain light and it's being held by this person. And so, yeah, having having done that last week, it was it helped me and Chloe so much. But it also made me kind of think about the way in which we work um, because we are, we come up with these images and we don't communicate them to each other with words. So we won't say, oh, this is exactly what this looks like. But for some reason, we feel in cahoots. <laughs> I feel like we're telepathically linked. But it's like, when I see the egg spaceship, I completely trust that you're seeing the exact same one. And we don't need to talk about that. We just know. Mm. Yeah, it's so funny. There's not a doubt in my mind that, like, <laughs> the the close 
is like the same close that even though we won't have described the buildings and like the architectural like the pebble dash on front of the buildings like mm. i just have a presumption that we have the same image in, in our mind so then when the other one adds on these different like i don't know mutterings of what people are saying outside the front it's just so joyous because it's bringing this to life in your imagination as you're also bringing it to life in your own imagination um it's, yeah. it's very uh it's a very beautiful thing to watch you two have this connection as well and it it w- was that an immediate thing when you two met or or is it i mean i imagine it's improved over the years anyway but did you know that when you met you had this this connection we, we connected because we both were very very silly <laughs> but there was definitely uh there was definitely a connection the first piece of theater we ever did together was a mask piece where we both fell in love in the post office while Grace was holding a large box, which she then tripped and spilled over and out popped her. My negligee. <laughs> I feel like we, we maybe... Did we say this on the last podcast? No. I don't know. Do you remember this story, Tim? No. <laughs> I feel like one of those old married couples who doesn't know who they have and haven't told. You tell this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was honestly the worst piece of theatre we both ever made in our lives. One of our friends had a mask that looked like a spade on their face. <laughs> yeah, it was like a flat rectangular orange box. And um, <laughs> it was he'd sh- made himself. <laughs> it was shocking. And this this was when we... Because we met at school when we were studying out in 2015, 2016. Um it was so shite what we'd made but we were we were like uh, thank god we were wearing masks because we were i I had tears of laughter coming down my face behind the mask and i was having to pretend to be this old man with this box of shoulders shaking i was shaking and that was when i knew that was when i knew but that was when i was like it's a rare rare thing to meet someone that silly (laughs) (laughs) it is though oh yeah and also our like our like touchstones are so similar like we both have a ridiculous like love for musical theatre and dance and all these things that we wouldn't really want to tell anyone sorry Soho really Um, but those things I think that we have kind of like kindred spirits in that respect I suppose and and I think that's what I mean about the images. It's like, we know if we try and tell a story where it's going to go. And it's going to go to absurd, almost cartoon kind of comedy. It's going to go to a realm that's just got all these strange influences. And... Yeah, I don't really know anyone else who has that brain. <laughs> so... Um... I've seen you do lots of different things in the past. Um, I've seen you do a cabaret. Mm. Um, what was it called? The uh, Sewer Cabaret. Or Frills and Spills. Frills and Spills. Frills and spills. Mm. Which was kind of part of Sewer Cabaret mm-hmm. anyway, mm-hmm. right? Um, which, when I saw Frills and Spills, I think I peed with <laughs> laughter. Uh, I thought it was brilliant. That. that was just before lockdown. It was just before lockdown, um, what is what's the plan for the future? What have you got? What have you got coming up, or if anything? What have we got cooking? Um, Up our sleeves. Oh yes. So we we in we were lucky um, to have received funding for a new piece um, that's called the Mother Shit, and it's um, about the mother child relationship and all the shit that comes with it. That's the tagline. But it and it's a synthesis of. So it's going to be movement and physical theatre, but we've also got Dunya 
Buttige playing some, creating some amazing music that will be played live. And we've got Lakeisha, who's a kind of spoken word poet and a theatre maker. And we've got Jamie, who's a dancer and a theatre maker. So we're, it's a bigger collaboration than we've ever done. And we've also got an amazing director, Jess Edwards. So it's it's launching into new territory for us. Mm. Because we're actually being a bit serious. Yeah, it's quite exciting because it means that we're... It's like Because it's like a multidisciplinary piece, it means that we get to kind of watch other skills and other things at work in the rehearsal process. And because I think of the unique timing of it happening... Mm. So we did a rehearsal period when we had that sort of brief moment of freedom last year. Um, we did a rehearsal period then. And it was kind of amazing to be rehearsing just after we'd had this very intense time, after the world had had this very intense time. And you could kind of just relax into this rehearsal process and just go in being like, this is just amazing for us to all be creating together and working together. And for us to be in the room with with other artists at the same time has just been such an incredible process. And the people we're working with are so talented and we have so much to learn from them. Mm. And obviously the subject matter is just huge so we've done interviews with people throughout lockdown we've got about 40 to 50 mm. interviews that we've hosted with people about including with sam ricks from the embers collective okay. we interviewed him yes good old sam ricks um yeah so that's been amazing to hear all these voices from like all over the world actually um talking about their their relationship with their mother and all that materials being fed into the work that we're doing in the room um which is just i mean it literally has been probably the most like nourishing rehearsal process i've ever had it's just mm. incredible because we we yammered on to the arts council to get the funding about creating a new community of artists during this time of heightened isolation and we'd come up with all these pretty phrases in our funding application but it it actually has genuinely been that um it's just not to think about having having a show and this kind of goes back to what i said before so often we, we had to be preoccupied with an end result. So you'd be product focused on this deadline at this time. We will be performing and we better have 50 bums on seats. Whereas this has been, yeah, it's felt lu- like luxurious mm. in a way um, to just roll around on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we do more than that. <laughs> you can tell who's the self-indulgent <laughs> artist here in this duo. No, but it's been oh. it has been luxurious to not have the weight of a deadline an impending deadline mm. that you have to sell. It's more just like we have no idea what this show's gonna be. Let's mm. see. Let's just let it find itself whilst we're in the room rather than going in. That can be so hard sometimes with funding applications is that you have to kind of sell a product that you haven't made yet. Yeah. You have to tell theatres that it's going to be this, that and the other. And you could get into the rehearsal room and it is nothing like this, that and the other. Mm-hmm. But this has been great because we could just enter into the process. We have no idea what it's going to look like. Mm. <laughs> there will, of course, be dancers because it's us. There will, of mm. course, be songs because it's us. Um, but who knows what it's going to look like, which is really really exciting we also want to try and do a kind of like exhibition type thing before you go in and have some kind of visual arts um gonna be getting some people in to do some kind of visual arts on the on the theme of motherhood so yeah it feels great i Mm. think that's that's something that i I relate to in lockdown was the the space to not be running around the country sort of two or three times a week gigging rehearsing Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's sad that that's gone 
and obviously I would like the job. I would like the earnings <laughs> back, but but I've actually had time to sit in. I mean, you're you're in my studio now. It's like a nice place, and it's like mm. I sit in here kind of all day now because I don't have anything else to do. Mm. Um, but it, it's given me the space, you know, one month, two months, three months, six months, a year without mm. without being constantly like barraged by mm. like stimulus of going out and and yeah again it's sad but i've never had that before mm. not for the not since maybe i was studying i guess it's so valuable isn't it and i think it's so important for us to be able to give ourselves that time and sometimes it might be that you're being creative but also sometimes it might be that you're not um mm. i was speaking to someone the other day and she was saying the she was saying that one of the most important things as a, I was like, if you could give advice to a freelance artist, what would you, what, what would you say? And she was like, be comfortable to take time away, be comfortable to like indulge in it, be comfortable to like enter into the artistry, but then also like step away from it. Mm. And I was like, that is, that is what this time has been able to allow me to do. I think I've actually like really stepped back on it from the first time for such a long time because we haven't been able to perform. We haven't helped to be running around the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can have helps to like clarify what it is you want to do and what it is you want to make and who you want to speak to and what you want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and why, really... why you do it. And mm-hmm. if you don't have time away from it, you, you can, cannot possibly have that reflection and you don't know what's going to come out of you. Mm-hmm. It might be this immense burgeoning creativity and you just have, you feel really in the flow or you might just literally want to sit on your ass and watch telly mm. both of which is is valid and it's what's coming up but you don't know until you have a year of more more stillness and it's interesting you should say that because um one of my old teachers which was the reason I went to Paris to school um and then met Chloe so it all ties in but she said make friends with the quiet times just make friends with them and I think that's that was so hard to do pre-lockdown. I really felt we were all just like, well, I speak for myself, but like really in the hamster wheel. Um, and yeah, just to make friends with the quiet times a little bit. It's, a, not, it's not easy. But... There's a guilt associated with oh, not being busy, isn't there? Totally. Especially for self-employed and artists, because firstly, you're self-employed. I need to be working every day. Mm-hmm. I need to be making money. And I need to be creating really good art mm. to be kind of up there and forefront of it. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of weird pressures that are just kind of unnecessary, right? Totally. Always trying to, like, justify yourself and your existence. And like you were saying at the beginning about this piece, like, we talk so much about, like, how do we... What do we associate as value in this society? Like, what do we... You know, because we don't own the nice cars and the nice homes and stuff. Mm. So it's like our value for us is very much in the work that we create. Mm. Um yeah. Would you like a nice car? No, I'm really happy with my car um, because I also don't have to worry too much about it. So that's great. Yeah. She's got us to and from Edinburgh to Brighton Fringe. Pro- no, she didn't go to Prague, but she's taken. She's a sturdy old gal. I've only, I've only had one car. Yeah. Since I was 21. The post van. No, that was the band's. Oh. My my little polo, <gasps> which is currently getting a. MOT. What do you call? Do you have a name for your polo? No. Oh. My ex girlfriend made one, but I. Yeah. <laughs> I would like a really nice car, but I don't drive, so it would just sit there. <laughs> nice car and a driver. Yeah, yeah. Chauffeur, <laughs> please. So, um, how how are people gonna find out what you're up to and and stay in touch? Mm. With regards to the mother shit. 
That's actually a really good question. I feel like I've stopped posting on social media, so I'm a bit of a crap person to ask. But no, we um, we do we we keep our kind of website and social channels updated, and um, we're we're going into rehearsal soon in mid April. Mid April, so, so we'll be back on social media at that yeah, point. So we've back got with the vengeance, Stumble Trip Theatre. So they can find you on, on Instagram, Instagram, Stumble Trip Theatre. Yeah, yes. that's kind of we don't really post on Twitter or Facebook anymore. Okay. <laughs> yes. That's that's Instagram. So if you yeah. want to stay updated with the amazing work of Stumble Trip, you can do so on Instagram, Stumble Trip Theatre. Yeah. Good. Um, thank you so much for being part of our thing that we do. There's the words and the music and the stories and stuff. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure, and especially to write music for you as well mm. has been an absolute pleasure uh, and inspiration as always well we're blessed to have you tim because yeah, you enhance you so our work in such a big big way mm. oh thank you it's a pleasure thank, thank you for, for listening, listening to, to episode 36 of the embers collective podcast we have been stumble trip theater and tim love you bye, bye.